Welcome to this BGSM podcast. I'm Stefan Griffin, a member of the BGSM editorial team. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. James Hull. James is a respiratory medicine consultant affiliated with the Royal Brompton Hospital and the Institute of Sport, Exercise and Health at University College London. He's also a leading authority on respiratory health in athletes. Um, you recently wrote an article about COVID-19 and the challenges for athletes that has widely been quoted or, or misquoted in certain aspects. Um, as a respiratory doctor with an interest in sports medicine, um, do you want to summarise or describe some of the points you discussed in that piece? Yeah, for sure. And first of all, thanks, Steph, uh, and to the BGSM for inviting me to speak on this podcast. So clearly it's been and continues to be an incredibly challenging time for all. And those challenges are different for different groups of individuals and different groups of patients. And in the bigger scheme of a sort of global pandemic with significant morbidity and mortality, it might not seem immediately apparent as to why people should focus or think about uh, athlete care and athletes' health. But as you know, um, and of course many of the listeners know, um, athletes uh, and the clinical teams looking after them are facing some uh, fairly unique and specific challenges. And so I was very pleased to co-author this commentary with two expert and very well-known sports medicine colleagues, Professor Mike Loosemore, Professor Martin Schwellness. And in this commentary, we cover three main areas. Firstly, we discuss some of the issues regarding the interesting relationship between risk of respiratory tract infection and levels of physical activity. Secondly, and I think what is becoming a very hot topic, how people might approach a return to play in athletic individuals who've actually been infected with COVID. And then finally, we touch on some of the real challenges that are very unique to the athletic population and the fact that for many professional elite athletes, their sporting activities have been curtailed and there's really a very imprecise timeline on when they might return to sport. Sure. And in terms of some, and you've gone into the three themes there that you come to, what are the main take-home points for, from that article for, for some of the listeners? We know that if you're very, very physically inactive, then there appears to be a heightened risk of developing infection, and that this risk is somewhat reduced in individuals who engage in regular, um, at least mild to moderate exercise. There then appears to be an increase in risk, potentially for those engaging in very strenuous and prolonged periods of exercise, particularly if that load is increased um, fairly dramatically and suddenly. And then very interestingly, um, deviating somewhat from this so-called J-shaped relationship is the fact that those who are at the very top of their sport seem again to be somewhat protected from infection. And so those who are winning uh, world championships or Olympic medals, again, seem to have a slightly lower prevalence of infection. Um, And thus this relationship may adopt what is termed an S-shaped relationship. The second point we wanted to talk about was return to play, and I'm sure we'll come on to that because I know you've got some specific cases that um, you'd like to ask about. And I think the first one would be um, something that, you know, quite a few sports medicine professionals, be that physiotherapists, doctors, uh, might be faced with, and that's probably a, a mild symptomatic athlete not needing hospitalisation, um, has been diagnosed with either suspected or confirmed COVID-19. So can you talk us through what the return to sport timeline looks like from a kind of general medical or respiratory perspective? Yes, for sure. And this is a very important and key question at the current time. And of course, as your listeners will know, has been uh, the area of focus for a number of blogs, commentaries, and if you like, social media debate at the moment. 
So I think it's important to be clear from the outset. I'm not a sports medicine doctor, so I wouldn't want to overreach and give or provide specific return to play advice. But what I would say is that from a respiratory point of view, historically, most people base their return to play strategy from respiratory tract infection on the so-called neck check rule. This is a rule first described in the 1990s and basically recommends that for athletic individuals who have symptoms that are purely confined to being above the neck, so for instance, nasal congestion, sinus problems, then it's probably okay for them to continue to exercise, although the load of exercise might be slightly reduced. But if that athletic individual has symptoms below the neck, for instance, chest pain, breathlessness, the production of sputum, or indeed systemic features like fever, then of course it's recommended that they don't continue to exercise. And whilst this approach seems logical in many ways, it really is simply based on an individual's opinion, and there is no validated evidence to suggest whether it's a robust way of proceeding. So it's on this background we've got to really try and consider what to do with athletes returning following COVID infection. And there are I think a number of important considerations. So first of all, this is obviously a novel pathogen. And so we're not certain at this point how people will respond uh, in different ways. Um, And certainly we've seen evidence of unusual cardiac responses to infection. The other thing to say that data that's published on the general population, even in mild cohorts, tends to suggest that individuals can almost have a biphasic course of the illness such that they develop early onset of some symptoms such as cough or fever or headache then symptoms seem to in some way improve before there's a further deterioration approximately seven to ten days out from the initial onset and that's actually the time when many individuals have been admitted to hospital with pneumonic illnesses and so on that basis it doesn't seem logical to recommend that athletes resume very rapidly to vigorous exercise when symptoms start to initially improve. Indeed, it was the basis of that uh, finding that led us to make a recommendation that athletes should really rest for at least 10 days from the onset of symptoms. And certainly they should have symptoms that have resolved for seven days prior to returning uh, to a graduated return to play strategy. Absolutely. And you mentioned there, and it probably fits with a lot of the clinical experience that some of our listeners will have in seeing patients with COVID-19 and that there seems to be this deterioration around between day seven to seven to 10. Um, if you're running a sports medicine clinic or a clinic with a, within an athletic um, environment, what other things that people should be watching out for? Um, what tests might you use that might indicate that someone's a slightly more unwell and might need further care? Um, or further investigation. And so I think the first thing to say is that we don't have any data in specific athletic populations. And so you really need to default to the approach that you would use in anyone within the population when you assess their risk or the reasons that they may be breathless or be struggling. And that means logical clinical assessment to start with, and then utilizing other information that you might have. So if someone's been in hospital with COVID infection, you'll want to consider whether they've had markers of uh, cardiac involvement um, and what the nature of any previous infiltrate was, for instance, on a chest X-ray. Markers that you might assess when you see someone include, of course, if they're breathless at rest, if they've got an increased respiratory rate, they're coughing a lot, reporting chest discomfort. A number of people have asked me about the value of undertaking lung function tests. And I think there are a number of points to consider here, including the fact that performing spirometry is currently deemed to be a high-risk procedure because of the generation of aerosols. Uh, 
And like it, with any test, you've got to ask yourself what you're going to do with the results and how it's going to influence your management. So James, we've just discussed the asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic athlete. What about the subset of athletes who might need hospitalization, um, especially those with chest x-ray changes? How does, how does the advice, how does the guidance differ in this population? So with hospitalised cases, a lot more care is going to be needed. Uh, it goes without saying. And we know for, from other respiratory tract infections that it can take many, many weeks to, to often months to recover from a pneumonic illness. So it's important to be upfront with an athletic individual and warn them that actually this is going to be a prolonged recovery period. And in fact, targets and expectations, especially from a competition point of view, uh, may need to be modified accordingly. The other thing to say is that there is a chance that more serious complications might have occurred in the context of a hospitalised case. And that includes a risk of uh, venous thromboembolism and also potentially cardiac dysfunction. So it's far more likely that these individuals are going to need specialist input to help guide their return to play and that also a much more graduated process is undertaken to ensure they're safe when they return back up to high levels of exercise. Absolutely. And then now moving forward to hopefully what we're, what the situation will be like in a few weeks and months is the returning athlete who's had a diagnosis of COVID-19 um, who presents with some breathlessness during training um, how do you manage this, given the kind of the, the landscape at the moment? Um, how would, what would you advise doctors, physiotherapists to be wary of in, in these patients and in these cases? Thanks, and this is an important question. There's definitely a few important things or, if you like, red flags to consider here. I think, firstly, of course, it's important that clinicians or the clinical team looking after the athlete review the records and prior history. So... We know that a lot of athletes have pre-existing asthma or respiratory issues. And of course, it's important that those issues are well managed and optimized. It's also important to review any recent results. So for instance, blood tests that might show anemia or chest x-ray changes which show the presence of an infiltrate. And those are going to be relevant and important contributory factors to why an individual might feel breathless when they try to re-engage in sport. Thereafter, I'd recommend that people look out for three main areas potentially for concern. So firstly, for the presence of chest pain or palpitations, which of course might indicate underlying cardiac problems. Secondly, for worsening breathlessness or breathlessness, which really seems out of proportion to the recovery that was ongoing. So if an athlete is making good progress and then starts to become more breathless, I think that should prompt consideration for whether there's new pathology or indeed whether there needs to be more detailed follow-up with a specialist. And thirdly, and linking into the, two, into the first two points, really are for any features which might make, you suggest, might make you think of a thrombotic event. So for instance, a player who's got a swollen calf or sudden onset of a deterioration with breathlessness. And we know from the published data that this appears to be a very prothrombotic infection numbers of individuals even with mild disease who've developed pulmonary emboli and so I think it's vitally important that sports uh, clinicians have a very high index of suspicion for pulmonary embolus in the returning athlete. Um, something I know you're really passionate about is um, advising on athletes who have pre-existing respiratory diseases um, and as you mentioned we know that athletes especially endurance athletes will have a high prevalence of respiratory problems like asthma, hay fever and we've done a podcast before on 
exercise-induced laryngeal obstruction. Um, do you have any specific advice for athletes or for sports medicine professionals looking after athletes with respiratory illness at all? So as you state, it's very well known now there's a high prevalence of respiratory issues in particularly endurance athletes. And indeed, probably about a quarter of uh, endurance sports athletes have some evidence of airway dysfunction, be it asthma or asthma type problems. There also appears to be high prevalence rates of allergies and nasal disease. And certainly we've been involved in looking at this and some work with the English Institute of Sport at the current time. I think this is really relevant um, for people who may have been exposed to COVID or for athletes returning from acute COVID infection. And the reason I say this is that we know in the non-COVID scenario that undertreated airway inflammation, be it in the nose or in the lower airways, does seem to make people more susceptible to exacerbations or significant deteriorations when they're then subsequently exposed to a viral infection. So there's been quite a bit in the media written about the avoidance of steroid, in particular the detrimental effects of oral steroid, but I think that has a negative effect potentially on translating to people avoiding taking their regular preventer inhalers, which of course has inhaled steroid, for fear of potentially exacerbating a problem. And the advice I would give is that it's actually at this point really important that athletes take their regular respiratory medicine. And it's important that the clinical teams who look after athletes make sure that they're taking their medications in the correct way, checking inhaler technique, using a spacing device, treating hay fever and nasal problems, and all those things taken together will ensure that athletes have the best chance of being symptom-free when they return to exercise. Absolutely. Um, it's really clear from the way you've spoken on this podcast and in previous podcasts and previous blogs just how passionate you are about respiratory care in athletes. Um, moving to something a tiny bit more general and one I think we've probably got just about time for is the whole conversation, discussion around returning to professional sport. Um, you know, what are, your, what are your worries as a respiratory condition in, t- uh, in terms of this, especially with the prospect of you know professional sport resuming in a time where there's still an element of lockdown in many countries such as the uk yeah and of course this is a very hot topic and i saw a very nice blog in the bgsm uh, discussing some of the complexities surrounding this issue what i would say is that clearly there's a number of groups looking at this with input from public health bodies and epidemiologists and certainly i'm aware that the international olympic committee is convening a group to specifically look at the issues and to look at the risk of cross-infection in certain athletic activities. And this will sit alongside a more broad piece looking at how we can optimise and improve respiratory health in athletic populations. Brilliant. Well, I know our listeners and uh, everyone around the world will be watching on um, with interest in, in terms of how that work goes. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, James. Um, I know that people will find this really interesting and definitely really relevant at the moment. Thank you. Um, and I know that people can find you on Twitter. It's at Breathe to Win. Um, and I know you're releasing a book soon on respiratory care in athletes with um, John Dickinson. So I'm sure our listeners will be really interested to see um, see what comes from that. And uh, I know that you've got links on your Twitter page um, to the uh, to the Amazon site as well. Thanks for listening to this BGSM podcast. Let us know if you have any questions or suggestions by the usual channels and take care.